Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. It's, uh, it's good to be in church, uh, seeing each other face-to-face again. I keep celebrating that. It's, it's just such an unusual phenomenon these days of uh, us being able to be together. And for so, so long, we've not been able to see each other face-to-face. And uh, we're getting a little more confident, aren't we? Uh, we're actually having conversations now with people uh, where we, were, we dare to remove our mask for a little while and, you know, see each other. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this uh, funny phenomenon is that you meeting someone for the first time, they have a mask on, and um, you finish their face in your mind accidentally. Do you, do you do that? I think that's one of the funniest things. Yeah. I met someone yesterday, and uh, I was uh, talking to him, and uh, it was actually the, the new girlfriend of, of a dear friend of ours, and uh, we were interested in meeting her, of course, you know. And so I saw her from here to here, and so I had an assessment what she looked like from here to here. And uh, she took off her mask, and she looked totally different than what I expected her to be. And uh, fortunately, I, didn't, I wasn't in shock. I was, oh, you know, I didn't have any reaction. But uh, anyway, she looked different. She looked different than what I thought she was. So we're in this new world, right, where uh, seeing each other face-to-face and communicating with each other is different. I, I don't know if you are like me, but I'm trying to actually figure out uh, what people are, are feeling just looking at their eyes now instead of, I can't see their nose and faces, you know, their mouth. So I have to judge everything from the eyes. And I don't think I'm really good at it yet. But uh, I've been asking myself the question, talking to people sometimes, are their eyes smiling or is that just me, you know? Uh, are, they, are their eyes angry or maybe it's just their makeup this morning? Who knows? Um, uh, Some people paint themselves in a way, yeah. (laughs) Our faces and communication is very powerful, isn't it? Uh, And what we say uh, is very, very powerful. Our words uh, can can either lift someone's spirit or just drop them, right? Uh, I have to say, uh, now that uh, we are online more than ever before as a preacher, pastor of a church, uh, I got to tell you, friends, that uh, my words are being scrutinized more than ever before. We live in an interesting day. And uh, uh, things that I used to be comfortable saying because it just was, you know, culture we lived in, and now I'm scrutinizing. I'm scrutinizing everything. I have to. We live in a world now that scrutinizes, and uh, people are going to have an opinion. And by the way, on social media, for whatever reason, people feel more free to comment about something you've said than they would ever say to you to your face. Uh, isn't this amazing, uh, the world we live in? Uh, I, posted, I posted an advert of this sermon actually yesterday for the first time on my personal Facebook page. I never post on my Facebook page. So because I hadn't posted it, I, probably 10 years since I've posted on my Facebook page. And I posted a video of myself advertising this service. So if, if any of my friends are watching today, welcome. Shout out to you. Uh, good to see you. I got incredible feedback, though, from uh, friends that I seriously have not talked to or seen in over 40 years. Yes, I'm old. And, uh, and this is what they said over and over again. Uh, it was great. I mean, they, were, they were very kind and very gracious. Uh, thank you, friends, who watched me. Uh, they, they, they said, uh, it's so good to hear your voice. Uh, you sound the same as you did. A high school friend of mine, a guy that I went to secondary school with, uh, we haven't talked to each other. He hadn't heard my voice in over 40 years. He said, you sound the same. Great to hear you. 
And he said, hey, are you balding? That was the one question. That, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm proud to say that I wrote him back, Sando, if you're listening today, and asked him if he was blind, just wondering if he, you know, surely, yeah. He wrote back and he laughed, so we're, we're friends. Uh, he's from Ghana. Shout out to Ghana if you're watching today. But, but our words are so, so powerful. And uh, we, we know that more than ever before uh, in our world. We, we see that today. Uh, and Jesus, of course, knew this and knows this, that words are very powerful. Uh, that's why we have the written word and why God speaks to us today live because we need his voice. We need it in written form. We also need it in our hearts. This is what he says, John 16, verse 33. I have told you all this. In other words, this is everything I've said to you. I've said all this so that you may have peace in me, is what he says, meaning Christ. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. And by the way, today, if you're in service this morning, in the building, we don't have a PowerPoint this morning, so I want to encourage you to access that thing you call a smartphone and pull up an electronic Bible, or if you have a written Bible, uh, even better, uh, yeah, paper, great. But look, uh, as if you're watching online, pull up that, find that smartphone or that computer and pull up a Bible app or whatever and follow along with me, okay? So John 16, verse 33. This is what Jesus says. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials but, and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So God wants to talk us through the troubles of this world. His words, his voice talking us through the, the difficulties and challenges of this world, right? Uh, this is what Jesus offers to us. We see this very clearly in what we have uh, uh, that's been put in writing. So in this that has been put in writing, we call the Bible uh, to date, and we don't think it's going to grow anymore, but there are 66 books of the Bible, all right? And we see this in electronic form now, probably more than, uh, than, than, than we see it in paper, or we actually access God's Word uh, through the electronic media in some form, in some fashion, whether it's on our smartphones, our computer, our iPad, whatever it is you use. Um, but still, uh, some use paper. So if you're using paper this morning uh, in the Bible, just ra raise up your Bible if you feel like it. Just raise up your Bible. I want to see, just as a little test here. So the, I think the vast majority still are electronic uh, and, and not using paper. But we still use paper, right? So this is what God has given us. But these are given to us uh, so that we can be talked through the troubles of this world to lead us to a place of peace. The whole point of Scripture, that Bible that we have, is to lead us to place our faith in Jesus Christ and to experience His help through this difficult world. But God also speaks to us live. Right? As, as followers of Christ, we hear the voice. Matter of fact, even if you're not a follower of Christ, you may hear the voice of God calling you to himself. God speaks to people today live. Yes, through the written word of God, but also through the voice of God as he draws people personally to himself. The power of words. We live in such an interesting world. <clears throat> a world where, the, where words still matter. They matter so, so very much. Uh, whenever we talk to family uh, that most of our family lives in the States, uh, we will talk about the weather sometimes. I don't know why we spend time talking about the weather, but we do. Uh, hello, how are you? I love you. How's the weather? Uh, isn't that funny how we do that? But 
ultimately, at some point in the conversation, whether it's my grandchildren or my kids or my parents, they will say this, we, and we will say this, it's good to what? Hear your voice. It's good to hear your voice. And now with uh, technology, we say it's good to see you, right? <laughs> we can actually say that. Uh, I'm so glad, though, that smell-o-vision is not in yet. Isn't that great? We can see, we can hear, but the smell-o-vision is not here yet. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Um, good to be able to see you. Good to hear your voice, the power of words. Words are so common and accessible to so many now through social media, through uh, technology, that we have become a society that is more concerned about our words than ever before. Uh, we, are, we are analyzing and uh, critically assessing people's speech more than we ever have in history. Now, make no mistake, the written word of God, the Bible, we call it, has gone through this also, this kind of scrutiny over thousands of years. But now, not only is the Bible going through the scrutiny again, but everything that anyone says is being scrutinized. Uh, the postmodernists post would say that language is actually, to, is actually believed to be enormously powerful, but also enormously dangerous. Some of our, our current uh, theorists who are trying to theorize, you may actually be a postmodernist but not realize it, uh, if, if you are scrutinizing people's words or you are counseling people because of what they say, you are a postmodernist whether you realize it or not. But we are living in a world uh, where our words are being scrutinized in ways that, are, that we've never seen before. Words like toxic. Have you ever heard that word? Uh, a friend of mine recently told me, he says, if I hear the word toxic one more time, um, very frustrated, implying that somehow that, that words are as poisonous as poison, right? What, what they're saying is toxic, meaning that their words are deadly. Have you heard the word trigger? Yeah, that's another one where people are ex pretty exhausted of the word trigger. Uh, I read recently a, uh, a lady who wrote a journal about these words, and he said, she said, listen, the word triggered has become increasingly politicized. And she goes on to say, in defense, uh, of the true definition of triggered, she says, this needs to stop. <laughs> so she wants to now police uh, people's freedom in using the word triggered. Amazing. She says, this definition is insulting and trivializes the actual meaning of the word. Okay. So every single definition, every phrase is being analyzed. Uh, movies and and speeches and, and uh, works of literature are now going through what's called discourse analysis, where, where bodies of people, uh, academics and others, are, are reading through this material, watching movies, watching this and there, um, with, with the belief that these words are dangerous and powerful. Uh, they are uh, going through and looking for <laughs> a, a, a verbal violence. Wow. And... Um, microaggressions and trigger warnings and toxic language, uh, believing that uh, we need to scrutinize our language uh, because language, by the way, is dangerous. Have you heard of the term cancel culture? Uh, we have more people than ever before apologizing for things that they said 20 years ago. And if we don't like what they said, they're canceled. We're done. We're done with them. And, and this is where society has come to. I think this is an, an, an over, uh, <laughs> overconfidence, uh, placed, placing way too much confidence in the power of words, uh, quite frankly. 
Uh, we've, we've actually moved in society and nations around the world who, who, who valued freedom of speech. Now we're wanting to actually regulate speech. This is what's happening in our world today. But uh, it's not only uh, the world of uh, the secular world that actually is assessing voices and language. We do this also too in the, in the supposed, and I put this in quotation marks, the Christian world is where we, we place uh, too much emphasis on the power of our own words. I don't know if you uh, uh, saw recently uh, this little video that's been placing around as a, a, a popular um, church leader uh, who is, uh, and I put that in quotation marks as well, uh, but who, it, who placed uh, judgment on the COVID virus. Have you seen this? Uh, I'm not going to even say his name. It's, I really don't want to say his name, but he, uh, he has, uh, you know, on film, and I'm scrutinizing him. Yes, I am. Uh, but blowing away COVID and, you know, declaring and decreeing that the, that judgment has been executed on COVID. By the way, he did this over a year ago. And so you can see if he's a false prophet or not. That's up to you. But the power of his words. He believes his words were strong enough and powerful enough to actually totally eliminate this virus. And uh, he has decreed and de declared, uh, you know, all kinds of wealth and prosperity and, and new airplanes and, uh, you know, asking people to, to you know, drop seeds of, of faith into his bank account. That's an amazing guy. Um, but this, this, this power of, of words is a theology that's been pushed. I think a false theology, but this power of words, our, our power, the power of our words, the power of, of man's words has been raised to, to new heights and new levels. Uh, one... one, one Academic saying that uh, our words are actually dangerous, and another theologian, I put that in quotation marks, saying that our words can actually change God and change God's nature and God's world. Well, James 3 says this, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for, we, if, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. The tongue is powerful, no, no question about it. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, continues to say this, and he says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison, toxic. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. No question that our words are powerful. He goes on to say in the last uh, part of chapter, James chapter 1, he says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. God himself says to us, Be careful how you use your words. Words are powerful. But how powerful are they? And what should they be used for? Um, we see all through Scripture that God wants us to use our words for His sake, for His glory, for His praise, for lifting people up and for advancing the kingdom, right? Uh, this is what Paul said in the book of Romans. Romans 10, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him uh, to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? He goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Is that how beautiful is a person who's actually speaking on behalf of the gospel? 
Our words can be powerful and our words can actually be the vehicles of salvation for people. That's, that's how we need to be using our words, using our tongue. But our words can never, 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 never contradict the written word of God. They can't. Our words also will never be used to glorify ourselves over God. God will not allow us to glorify ourselves over Him. You can't trump God with your words, in other words. Our words can only do what God has allowed it to do. I don't control God. God controls me. And my words can be a vehicle through God to bless people. Another little point about our words. Man's words have no power over others if, if the other doesn't care about that person. In other words, if I don't care about you, if I have no love for you whatsoever, you can say whatever you want to to me, and it's not going to impact me at all. That's not true with God's words. God's words have power regardless of man's affections. So whereas, whereas my words are limited, God's words are not. Praise the Lord for that, right? Praise the Lord for that. Words are powerful, but only as God allows it to be. We don't control Him. He controls us. The words of God. The words of God are documented in what we call the Bible, these 66 books that we hold dear. But God actively speaks to us today, pulling us to Himself. God today, with His written word and His voice, speaks to us actively now and talks us through the troubles of this world. Praise the Lord for that. And God often uses us in our words to be His voice to also talk people through difficult times and bring us to a point of peace. So this Bible I keep talking about, most of you would say, of course we believe the Bible, yes, but maybe there's some this morning who would say the written word of God. Why do we put so much stock into the written word of God, right? That, those Bibles we lifted up, those, those Bibles, 66 books that we claim to be the authoritative words of God. Why do we place so much confidence in those words? Well, the Bible has gone through discourse analysis. I mean, it has really been analyzed for thousands of years, by the way. There's a few tests of reason why we actually put so much confidence in the written word of God. Um, one of this is that many authors who wrote uh, the Bible uh, all agree with each other. So we believe that those who wrote the Bible were inspired by God. They agree with each other. They don't contradict each other. In comparison, other religions espouse only one revealer. So uh, other books that you see that are supposed to be holy books like the Talmud and, and uh, the Torah. Uh, sorry, not the Torah. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, the Quran and uh, the Book of Mormon and uh, the, the, the book that's used by Jehovah's Witness. All these different books that are being used. Uh, they were actually written uh, by one person. Whereas the Bible was written by many, many, many authors uh, agreeing, pointing together to a Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the test of many authors is why we believe this book is really credible and why it has truth in it. It's because so many people wrote at different times, but all agree. Listen, uh, I can't get people to agree like who are in the same century, the same, you know, that were born in the, on the same year. Uh, so it's really quite a miracle when you look at our scripture. This is all these writers who wrote in over thousands of years agree and point to, to one thing, to Christ. 
the test of Jesus. The authenticity of the Word of God held through the ages started with Jesus. Jesus himself affirmed, if you read the words of Jesus, he affirmed the 39 books of the Old Testament. He quoted the Old Testament. So the reason why we believe the Old Testament is legit is because Jesus, the Son of God, actually said they were. And so a lot of the reason why we claim so tightly to, to the Bible is because we believe that the ones who actually wrote the Bible had also quoted the Bible, Jesus himself. Jesus not only quoted the Old Testament, but he also claimed that his own words were the Word of God. And I think most of us who believe in Jesus believe that, right? I do. I believe that his words, what he said, are truly from God, the words of God. Also, the test of time. Over time, these books in the Bible have continued to bring, to bring men and women to God. And we're not just talking about a few years that, the, that God's Word has been successful in drawing people to Himself. God's Word, the Bible, has actually been around for centuries, pulling people to Himself effectively. The, the test of changed lives. So we actually, so this, this scripture has been effective in use to actually transform people. And so over time, over centuries and over generations. So, so we, put, we put confidence in these words. The, the test of reliable witnesses. The Bible has actually can be tested based on how close people were to the original authors of the Bible. So we, we actually have evidence of people who knew the ones who were with Jesus. Now, I, we're, what, what this is, what we call this to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, words, words are very important, right? Yes, very, very important, yeah. I should have had B12 this morning as well. <laughs> when trying to ascertain the truth about an event, okay, we're trying to see if this is true, we try to get a witness closest to the event, all right? So just for example, if uh, there's a car accident in Vintic, all right? There's an alleged car accident in Vintic. Right? I speak to someone. Someone says, hey, I heard there was a car, there was an accident in Vintic. Really? Did you see the accident? No. When did it happen? I really don't know. I just know there was an accident in Vintic. Okay, how much more time are you going to talk to this guy about the accident in Vintic? <laughs> Not a lot of time. Not a lot of time. But if I talk to someone and say, hey, there was a, there was a car accident in Vintic. Really? Yes. Um, did you see it? Yes, I was in it. Oh, okay. I, I want to hear what this guy has to say. He was there. Okay, when did it happen? It happened this time, it happened this way, and he came from this angle, and gosh, it just really overwhelmed me. A witness, you know, close to the event is telling me there was a car accident event took. I care what that person says. I'm going to trust what that person says because they were there. The Bible is a collection of, 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 of authors who've written, inspired by God, who were with, so, who were with Jesus, or who are, who are closest, they were closer to the original authors than, than anyone else. So there are so many documented quotes that are, that are dated close to the original writing of Scripture, if you will. So we believe that John, the Apostle John, wrote the book of John, book of John for example. But there were people who actually knew John who wrote about what John wrote. We also see this in Paul actually referenced literature that was written. Paul himself, the Apostle Paul referenced writings of Matthew and John. We have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we have writers, Paul and others, who wrote in the epistles. They make references to that scripture. They also make references to the Old Testament. And so we have people very close to the original authors who are claiming it to be scripture. 
You with me? And this trail of witnesses carries on through history. We actually have uh, documented uh, literature that's, that's in museums today, uh, some uh, in Rome, others in Britain, but we have documented written uh, texts that date back as, as early as uh, <clears throat> 80, 60 and, and earlier. We have stuff that's even dated in, in the BC realm, a lot of literature that's dated in the BC realm. So all of this comes together to say the book that we call the Bible today has been scrutinized by history, by literature. Matter of fact, there are more original copies of the New Testament than any other piece of literature that's ever been written in history. Isn't that amazing? That can be, that can be, that can be uh, compared to original writing that we have in museums and, and in and other places where these are original copies are preserved. Now, I'm summarizing this. There's a lot more information about the Bible and the history of the Bible and the archaeology of the Bible, the literature of the Bible that you can, that you can read about. Uh, there's just tons of information, so many. There's just this wide body of information that attests to the authenticity of Scripture. And, and because this Scripture has been used to change and transform lives for centuries, um, at some point, uh, the early church fathers... Um, decided, hey, let's decide which really is Scripture and which is not. And so as early as 300, in the 300 A.D. Uh, period uh, under Constantine, uh, these Scriptures were what we call canonized. There was a ruler. The word canon means this, this straight-line ruler deciding this is what we believe to be accurate. This is what we believe to be non-heretical. This is what we believe to be truly from the original authors and truly Scripture. Uh, that has transformed lives, and we want to continue to preserve it and record it and keep it and multiply it in ways that are accurate and effective. And so there was this, over periods now of thousands of years, these words that we call the Bible, these words have been scrutinized and have been recorded and repeated in very accurate, correct terms. So every word has been placed, you know, exactly the way it was and it was written. So trans where things get a little fuzzy for a lot of us, is these were not written originally in our languages that we speak, our heart language, and so these original languages had to be translated accurately into our languages. So the Bible that you read today is not in the original language that Jesus said it or that Moses would have received those original books, the, the law. All that to say, uh, we believe that the words that we're reading today in the Bible are truly the words of God, inspired by God, and it's the authoritative word of God. This Bible that we hold so dear, all right, the inspired Word of God, uh, we believe is profitable for teaching, for correcting, for training in righteousness. We believe it is God's tool to bring us to Himself. And you will never hear a sermon from me or in this church or anyone speaking in this church who will not use the Bible as their authoritative, you know, text for credibility. In other words, we're going to say, this is what, this is what, this is what we believe as, as Christians, and by the way, the Bible backs it up. So we're going to say this is what we believe, and we believe it because the Bible says. We, I'd encourage you to do the same thing. That tests everything you're saying through the written Word of God. The very Bible we hold dear points us to a living, active God, now though, who talks to us through our troubles. So as we read Scripture, Scripture points to what? A living God. The words that we have recorded in Scripture point to a living God who speaks to us today. 
Uh, Galatians 3 says this. Paul said this, that the law was actually given to us. And he uses the word guardian or tutor. You can translate this in different ways. But he says that God's words that we have today, Scripture that we have today, is used to tutor us or to guard us so that we will place our faith in Christ. Let, let me read to you what he says here. If there's a conflict then between God's law and God's promises, absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, okay? So when he's speaking to the law, Paul's talking about the law here. This is Galatians 3, verse 21, by the way, if you're looking on your words there. I, he says, if there is a conflict then between God's law and God's promises, absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. He says, but the scriptures, this is what Paul says, but the scriptures, meaning what they had at that point that they called the Bible. All right. So this letter here wasn't the Bible yet that he's writing, Galatians. Okay, It became so later, but at this point he's referring to stuff that came before him. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 23, before the, faith, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. And Galatians 3 verse 24 says this. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that way of faith has come. We no longer need the law as our guardian. So what he's saying is now we have the living Jesus Christ to tutor us into relationship with him. Now, Paul said very clearly in Galatians 3, he's not saying that he's putting aside Scripture. In any way is he under, uh, undervaluing Scripture. But he's saying this is what Scripture can do for you. This is its intention. It is to lead us to relationship in Christ. The words that we have in writing, Scripture, are designed to tutor us, to guard us, to bring us to a point of placing faith in a living God who speaks to us actively today. I believe that if we limit uh, the voice of God only to what we can read in Scripture, then we will not be walked through the troubles of today. I believe we will miss out on peace if we are determined to hang to a theology that says that only the written words of God apply to me today, that I cannot hear his voice. God does not speak today. You will not have peace. The Bible's purpose and its point is to lead us to a living Savior who speaks to us today. Now, I know what I'm saying, and I know that what I'm saying is controversial to a lot of people. This topic is debated across the world in many, many circles, especially in doctrinal theological circles. And, and honestly, the motivation of why they're debating this is to protect the authority of the written Word of God. I appreciate the motives. But the living Word of God brings us to a living Savior who speaks to us live today. And believe you me, the words of God, the voice of God will never contradict what's been written in Scripture, if it truly is Him. And we should test it. This is what John, the Apostle John, wrote about Jesus. This is what he says. And his words were not chosen casually. Okay, this is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, the Word, 
already existed. The Word was God. And the Word... Sorry. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John spoke about Jesus as the Word. And he's saying this Word, Jesus, is eternal. Uh, it, it's God. It, was, it's, 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 it, it's never had a beginning or an end. Speaking of, he goes on in John chapter 1 talking about, he said, The Word became flesh and lived among us. Speaking of Jesus. The Word became flesh. And lived among us. He goes on to say that all those who place faith in him will be saved. That's what the writer of John, this is how he leads in chapter 1. About this word is powerful to bring us to salvation. Now let's be very clear here. Just in case you are having this temptation to, to run off on just the word word. What he is not saying here. He is not saying that we also are this powerful word that has always lived and that our words can speak you know in all different dimensions uh, we're talking about living Christ and I want to say to you very clearly this morning that our current scrutiny of words and the power of words and I believe to be the heretical approach that we come to our own words that some church leaders have actually espoused that would lead us to prosperity and to wealth I feel like those two types of that two ways of thinking can actually keep us from the living God who who will actually bring us to life and peace. We need to submit ourselves to the living word, Jesus Christ himself, not try to make my words more living or more powerful. But we need to submit to the living word of God. Look, when John wrote the book of John, this is what he said. I'm writing all this. This is John 20, verse 31. It says, These are all written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. He says, There's so many things that Jesus said and that He did that are not recorded. We did not record. Now, you could argue that, well, then, then what you're saying is that Jesus said a lot of things that were also the authoritative Word of God, but you didn't put it in writing. That's what He's saying here. He said, There's so many things that were authoritative and right and from God, but were not put in writing that we call the Bible today. There are some um, who you could argue that, you could, you could really make a case to say that there are no more words of God just based on the belief that the written word of God is enough, right? And there are people who actually teach this, who believe that, uh, you know, to, to actually say that God spoke to you is to add to the word of God that's in writing. And, and they actually, you can find them on YouTube, by the way, if you want. And they, they use the book of Revelations, Revelations 22, to say, listen, you know, the Bible says that in Revelations 22, in verse 19, that if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and the Holy Spirit. So, so in other words, to say that you're hearing from God and if it really is God, then it's authoritative. And therefore, you're saying that there's more to the Bible that hasn't been written. Whenever I, I heard this guy recently, he was uh, doing a YouTube post about this. And I, I wish I could have called him up and I said, listen, I am not saying that. All right. 
quit scrutinizing what I believe. Uh, I wanted to actually tell him that his words were toxic, but I, you know, I, I didn't, didn't post it. Some well-intentioned teachers suggest that saying God spoke to me would suggest that, that I'm adding to the Bible. No. I think when we, we go down this road, we are on a slippery slope when we decide that the written... Let me rephrase this. What we are on a slippery slope when we decide that the written, canonized Word of God is the only and last time God speaks to us. The very canonized Word of God that we cherish that we hold as the authoritative Word of God, never suggests that, doesn't say that. The Bible actually teaches just the opposite of that. This Bible that we hold so dear, that we canonize, that we cherish as the authoritative Word of God, points us to a living Savior who speaks live, who speaks to us today. I want to say that boldly. I want you to hear it loud and clear. I believe God speaks to us today. Now, do I believe that when God speaks to us today, it's the, it's the, the extra Bible? No. I believe it's God's Word. God speaking to us directly. That's what I believe. The Bible teaches us to a living Savior. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, then let me use God's Word to help us this morning to, to hear that. All right? John 10. Look at John 10, verse 14. This is what Jesus said about His own words. He's... Using a metaphor here, talking about himself as the great shepherd. That's what he says. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. These are the very words of Jesus. So, big, big credibility, right? The actual words of Christ. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. And this is what he says. They will listen to my voice. Wow. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, theologians like to really scrutinize this passage. I want you to know that God speaks to us today and draws us to himself so that we can be part of this sheepfold. These are the words of Christ. But if that's not enough for you, he goes on to say the words of Jesus in John 16. John 16, verse 1. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service to God. Last conversation he's having with his disciples before he's crucified. And he's saying, listen, you're going to go through all kinds of trouble, but listen to my words. And he goes on to say, listen, there's much more I want to tell you. This is in uh, chapter 16, verse 12. So John chapter 16, verse 12 says, there is much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This Bible we hold so dear, this Bible that we've canonized, believed to be the authoritative word of God, records the very words of Jesus telling us 
that when he is gone, that he will send us the Spirit of God who will talk to us. Wow. Can we say amen to that? The slippery slope, the danger is, is that we could believe that God doesn't speak to us. That's what we're in danger of. That's the trouble. Not that we don't lift up the written word of God as high as we need to and elevate it to where it's supposed to be in its status. The problem is, is that we don't obey the word of God that leads us to a talking Savior. John 16, verse 33. I've told you all this so that you may have peace. Yeah. Jesus, through our friends, he speaks through our friends. Jesus speaks through the written word of God. Jesus speaks to us through his spirit and talks us through our troubles. Right? He says, I'm going to talk you through your troubles. You're going to have trouble, but I'm going to talk you through them. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Scrutinize your theology. Look at what you believe. You know, maybe your problem is not that you elevate the Bible higher than you should. Maybe that's not your problem. Maybe you just don't read your Bible. <laughs> maybe you've not seen the promises in the Bible that actually could change your life. I don't know where you fall here. I know from me sometimes I'm, I have doubts about different things. I'm sure all of us here have had doubts in different ways. But when I go through troubles and when God begins to speak to me, he always draws me to place faith in him. That's where I, it always comes to. It always says, place faith in me. I'm alive. You can, you can hear me. I'm going to lead you. And so, so I need to increase my uh, uh, attention to him. When Paul wrote about the Spirit of God, he said, be led by Him, right? And he said, walk by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. In Galatians 6, he says, sow into the Spirit. In other words, remain, invest into the Spirit. Do whatever it takes so that you can hear the voice of God, so that God can lead you day by day through your troubles. I'm saying to you today that a few things that maybe you can take home and evaluate for yourself in terms of application. Uh, read, read the Bible. <laughs> read it. Uh, and, and let it be transformative in your life. Let it truly be the guardian and tutor of our faith. Let it lead you to the living Savior. Read the Bible. I, and I'm telling you to do what I do. I read the Bible every single day of my life. And, and it, it corrects me, it changes me, and it brings me... I, I'm love, I love reading the Bible. I read through the Bible every year. And there's so many different tools and, and ways that you can learn how to read through the Bible and to get on a regular habit of doing this. Uh, and if you want to, today at coffee, I can show you some of those ways and do that. But read your Bible. Spend time. It is God's Word. It's the authoritative Word of God that leads us to life in Jesus Christ. Those words are very specifically selected to be put in writing, to lead us to place faith in Jesus Christ. But also, so we need to be active listeners to uh, the written Word of God. Read it. Uh, you can also hear it now. You can have people who can read it for you. On the Man, We have more access to the written Word of God than ever before in history. Unbelievable. 
I have a British guy who reads my Bible to me every morning. It's really cool. All right. I drink coffee, and a British guy reads the Bible. All right. Be an active listener. The next thing I'll ask you to do is to be an active listener, though, to the living God. As a follower of Christ, hear him. So if you're an unbeliever this morning, if, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I know Jesus has actually invited you to come and follow him. I'm sure of it. And you've, you've heard him pull you to himself to say, hey, this is right. You need to follow this. So listen to that voice, all right, and, and follow Jesus Christ. But as a believer, if you're already a believer, then increase your understanding of how to hear him. And, and spend time in prayer and fasting before him so that you can hear his voice. Talk to him on a regular basis. We need to become active listeners to Christ himself, who is the key to life. You know, the Bible doesn't tell me what I should wear on any given day, right? Have you ever got up in the morning and read the Bible to find out what you should wear? If you did, you probably would come in robes. Uh, so, what should I do today? Well... What car should I drive? Man, they didn't even drive cars back in the day when the Bible was written, right? So, what, what car? Uh, should I walk? So, yeah. Someone <laughs> gave me a car brand over here. Uh, but, yeah. But God, act of God, actually tells us day to day what we should do. We need to listen to his voice. Because he's going he's gonna to talk us through our troubles, right? He's going to talk us through this life. So, become an active listener. And then, I want to say this to you. Uh, watch what you say. Right. Monitor your language. Do your own discourse evaluation on yourself. What, what comes out of your mouth? What words are you using? Your words are powerful. Are you, are you breaking people down? Are you lifting people up? And by the way, are you telling others that life is only in Jesus Christ? I want to encourage you this week, not only to read your Bible, not only to listen live to Jesus Christ, but also use your words for the sake of the gospel. Use your words to lead people to him. I don't know why. I'm going to ask God this question when I see him face to face, but often God limits his voice to me. Isn't that amazing? Then he limits his voice to you. He limits it, not you. He says, you are my ambassador. You are my voice. Wow. And there is an expectation in his world that he's created that we would be his voice. We would be the words of peace on behalf of our Savior Jesus Christ. That we would be the guardians, the tutors of the, the beautiful story of God. Oh, this overwhelms me. We would be the stewards of this, of this message. And they would be actively sharing our faith. We would speak on behalf of God. That our words would be used to glorify God. Not to make us richer. Not to make us more popular. But to lift up the only one who can truly give us life. That is Jesus Christ himself. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.